0: You down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. You down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. You down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? This whole You down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. You down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D?
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Down With D&D. My name is Sean Merwin, and today our co-host is none other than Rich Lescuflair, best-selling D&D freelancer, graphic and layout designer, and lead writer on the fifth edition science fiction project, Esper Genesis. Rich, thank you for coming on the show today.
0: Oh, Awesome. Thank you for having me on.
1: We were just talking about our uh quarantine life here. So we, we got that out of the way, our ranting and raving about uh <laughs> the, the lunacy of the world and the people that live within it. The scourge so, of the Rona. That's right. yes. <laughs> it's exactly it. So, but we are here not to talk about those awful things, but we are here to talk about fun things like D D and a little game called Esper Genesis and fifth edition in general. But before we get into all of that, I like to uh, ask my co-hosts about their history with D &D, and D and role-playing games. When did you start and why do you keep playing? Uh, Well, when I started
0: uh, I must've told the story a couple times now (laughs) Uh, I was uh, in junior high. Uh, I got into a uh, actually we'll make the story really short. I got into a fight. It's a good start, Uh, and uh, and I didn't start it. I didn't start it. No, okay. No, (laughs) yeah. Got into a fight. uh, Ended up uh, uh, basically sitting out at uh, gym class, and you know, along with the other kid who Mm -hmm. uh, became a very good friend of mine because he was sitting down and he was reading a whole bunch of books with like you know swords and dragons and all that stuff. And I just kind of looked over and I'm like, "Hey, man, what's that?" And he turned around, looked completely shocked, handed me the book. Started explaining everything to me. Came to my house later on, and then it was all uh, all systems go from there. Uh, I was in seventh grade, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I, you know, I just went on with it from there. Uh, I've I've always been like a, you know, a lover of, of books and writing stories. So both of those things just meshed completely together into you know into D and then branched off into other games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love uh, creating stories and. Uh, you know, basically, you know, seeing people enjoy whatever, uh, whatever things I can put out, whatever I can create, it's it's a it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun for me, so that's why I keep doing it.
1: Yeah, well, I I, I hear a lot of origin stories in gaming, and I think that's the first one that's ever started with a fist fight. <laughs> yep, yep. <That's, laughs> I, uh, hey,
0: pretty you impressive. Know. Uh, it's a lot of combat in D&D, you know so. that,
1: That's true, that's true, yeah I was going to ask you, did you, are you more into the combat Or, or the role-playing, but, you know, apparently
0: <laughs> It started with combat
1: that, That's true, always always start in media race, right? Yep uh, and, and always start with the action Well, that definitely starts with the action Alright, so, when did you make the transition From just being, you know, a player And a lover of the game Into making it into a professional thing? uh
0: well i had uh i liked writing a lot of uh short stories um i i had a hand in in making several attempts to write for t s r uh back in the day and uh after i had moved down to florida you know i i pretty much just kept playing around with with everything that i was doing when fifth edition came out and i got back into d and d uh I had put together um like a concept adventure. Uh, called curse of the demon stone mm-hmm. uh which i had given to my friend brian and I, I i wrote out the whole thing and i i laid it out in word you know to the best of my ability so that it looked like a 5e book and then when i just showed it to him hey you know take a look at this and he looked at it and he said well who did this i looked at him and i said i did and you know in word and he just looked at me and said you did this in word and i said yeah so <laughs> he went and brought it to a few of his uh Uh, friends. Brian, by the way, is my business partner. He works with me in Alligator Alley Entertainment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he was um, the secretary for Gamma for like 20 years. So he knew a lot of industry people, showed Mm -hmm. them the stuff, and they apparently told him, hey, you need to put this guy to work. So Mm -hmm. I met some other people through there and uh, going to Gamma Trade Show with him, I went and approached and talked to Mike Merles, Mm -hmm. who uh, asked me if i was interested in writing for D, you know i said sure absolutely it's kind of something i wanted to do for a long time and not very l- much longer after that i was writing with you
1: <laughs> oh that's that, that's true that's a uh that gets me into the story pretty quickly yep <laughs> because uh someone approached me and said uh, there are two people i would like you to work with on an upcoming adventure uh one was Mr. Rich flair, the other was Monica Valentinelli, uh on an adventure called Inbola's Wake. Yep. And and uh so I did and and that one is up on the DMs Guild now and it was a free adventure during their uh remote giveaway recently. So uh yeah, that's it's a that was a fun adventure to concept and write with with you and Monica.
0: Yeah, so, definitely.
1: So was that your first quote unquote professional uh, publication? Uh, publication. Uh, technically, yes. Uh, honestly, my my first
0: professional job was doing maps for okay. a uh, for like a third party Pathfinder adventure. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. But as far as writing, yeah, that's my first like official uh, publication uh, outside of the well, the Demon Stone adventure that I had that I had uh, told you about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we decided to put that into like a little printout, and Brian had done the layout for it. And that was actually the first product from our publishing company, Alligator Alley Entertainment, it was around the same time.
1: Okay. So nice. So, so your people always ask me, you know, how did I get involved? How do I become published through Wizards of the Coast or other third party professional publications? And every answer is different, right? Everyone's path is different. And so yours was sit down and do the thing and give it to someone who gives it to someone who gives it to someone, um, who then, you know, gets, gets you in the door in some way.
0: Yeah, I, I it's, uh, well, yes and no. to, to meet a lot of the industry people. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that was actually unintentional <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when I, when I tried to Brian and it was very unintentional, but once I was actually into it, uh, I I think it was uh, either Merles or, or Perkins. I, I think Perkins had did no 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 it was it was Merles because I actually just approached him and asked him about it. So okay. uh, when I when I had sat down with him uh, on another panel, like uh, one of his panels, he basically said, "Hey, you know, just to let you know, we're not unfriendly people. Uh, you know, if you're really interested in doing something for us, just." Ask <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: and okay, and uh, you know, that's that's kind of the way it worked out, it was right? Really cool.
1: but, but when you sat down and, and made that demon stone adventure, um, you didn't plan on it, no, not at all, being like a submission to wizards or something. No, it's just something you did because that's what you wanted to do,
0: yes, yes, yes. absolutely. I just enjoyed yep. doing it, so and it, it turned into a thing. I I never even thought about getting into doing layout at all, uh, it, it's just I don't know something that, that just came to me, and then I decided to learn how to use InDesign because doing layout in Word sucks,
1: <laughs> but it's possible. Yes, it's possible to make good-looking products because oh. you see them on the DM scale. But yeah. obviously, you know, InDesign is a more professional; it gives you a greater range of what you can do. Yes, absolutely. And so, so your, but your background is not in layout or art or graphic design or anything, right? No, not at all. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a writer <laughs> okay. than, than anything else. And, and yet, because of your passion for storytelling and making the best thing that you could make, you are now doing layout for a lot of the, say, Adventures League uh, content, correct? Yes.
0: Uh, actually, that that happened through,
1: well, as you know, you, you were
0: one of the first uh, Dungeon Masters killed in right and uh, there were 10 of us and for some reason out of 10 of us i was the only one that knew how to use indesign mm-hmm. so that kind of you know benefited me in in the sense that i did most of the layout work which, you know, which means i got most of the practice for mm-hmm. all of our products and you know until the point where uh yeah i was asked to do layout for season
1: 8 of the Indie adventurers league and it just went on from there right and if you hadn't been willing slash able to do layout for those gilded that products who knows what would have happened right we we were relying on you to be the the gateway you know for all these products to actually get out there and look professional so that that role cannot be underestimated in terms of its importance to you know the production process these days no, absolutely, and uh, I
0: I actually believe that the the stuff that we have put out under the Guilded Depths has actually raised the bar on the types of products that come out on the Dungeon Masters Guild. We've seen, you know, after we started hammering out a lot of professional grade uh, products, you've started seeing a lot of other people doing collaborations, and they you know they have their own editors and layout people, and a lot of the stuff looks amazing
1: now. Oh, it does. It looks absolutely top-notch. You know, the stuff that came out, say during like the D20 craze of third edition, can hold a candle. No. To, yeah, absolutely. To the stuff not. that's up on the DM's Guild right now, uh, from from a you know a variety of people. So it's it's great. Yeah, you know, I'll see a new product go up, and I'll be like, "Wow, that looks great." I wonder who did that. And I'll, you know, it's a person I've never heard of, or a group of people I've never heard of before. They're just you know people that love love the game and love what they do, and it shows.
0: Yeah, well, you're you're always going to get uh,
1: better results out of something you truly you're truly passionate about. Mm-hmm. Right, and and that's why when people come to me and say, you know, how do I how do I become a professional game designer, get my work in front of Wizards and stuff, and and or other third party publishers, and the answer is, you will do it because that's what you do. Right. Yep. There's there are a hundred thousand paths to it uh, but that uh, it has to start with loving what you do and just doing it because that's what you do yes and i, I
0: believe both you and i
1: do it full-time now <laughs> <So>. <laughs> pretty much <laughs> pretty much uh, so let's talk about Espergenesis then so you know fifth edition DD came out there was the open gaming license which allowed you to use the 5e rule set uh, to do make whatever you wanted and so and so why science fiction? Why Espergenesis? Genesis?
0: Uh, well, uh, aside from D&D, my second favorite, my second and third favorite RPGs were D6 Star Wars and Shadowrun. Mm-hmm. I was a very, very big, big sci-fi fan uh, from, you know, when I was small up, up until now. So the obvious go-to idea was to take everything that I love about sci-fi and fit it into my favorite game. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh it's uh originally started out as as let me make some sci-fi weapons and armor, you know, for uh for 5e. Okay. And I showed it to uh my friend Eric who's now my other business partner at mm-hmm. AE and he just kinda looked at it and said, Cool, what are you gonna do with this? I, said, I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> What am I gonna I was, do with this? Yeah, what am I gonna do with this? So I was like, Well, this needs uh more stuff. You know, I added more stuff and I said I need this I need a setting to put this in. Put that in the setting. The setting needed, uh, you know, alien races and you know different species and creatures, and started putting all that in. And I'm like, this really needs an overall storyline. So, dropped that in. It just it just grew. It it mm-hmm. kind of blew up into uh, and unexpe- another unexpected thing. Uh, and then I said, well, you know, we're already kind of in the middle of doing this production thing with AAE. And I got really excited about this, so we decided, hey, let's let's put it all together and and do a Kickstarter to get an actual RPG out. No, no one's no one had really done a a science fiction version of Five E at the time, mm-hmm. so it just kind of it just kind of leaned towards that. Well, you know, since no one's actually officially done it yet, we can release it and see what happens.
1: Okay. So when was that Kickstarter? Uh
0: it, it was in the beginning of twenty seventeen. Uh okay. we had uh in twenty sixteen we had put together most of the basics of the rule system. Uh we released like a like a playtest adventure, had a whole bunch of people playtest it. Uh I brought it to Metatopia, the, the Metatopia convention, where uh I had uh who, who did I have? I had Rob Donahue and Ken Banks, and like a lot, a lot of lot of uh, you know industry professionals take a look at it, and they gave me their input. Uh, Ken Height, and actually both Ken Height and Ken Banks kind of uh, told me, "Well, you know, this is D and D as far as the rules. What makes it so different?" Mm-hmm. And the answer was that its sci-fi it wasn't exactly good enough of an answer. So okay. you know, I, I I was like, you know what, I'm going to take the storyline and integrate it into the game and dial it up to 11 so cool. that you know as soon as you make a character you're totally enmeshed into the in, into the story into the galaxy
1: nice uh, for for those who don't know metatopia is almost like a reverse convention um, it's it's where you go as a game designer to play test your stuff with other industry uh, insiders and creators and designers and media folk uh, around role-playing games and I've never been since it's been that sort of convention but I know a ton of people who have and they say that it is you know one of the greatest experiences of their lives and in terms of their game design careers
0: yeah you can get a lot of of assistance advice uh, things that you, that you would have never thought of from people that have already gone through it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a great convention to go to.
1: Yeah. So what is, uh, just in terms of Esper Genesis, we're going to talk about using 5e to create other games as our main topic, but just on the, on the Esper Genesis track here, what, uh, products are currently out for Esper Genesis?
0: Uh, okay, so primarily, uh, as as far as core books, we have uh, the the core manual, which is essentially your your player's handbook, mm-hmm. uh, everything that you need to make a character and to play a character, and all of the rules that you, uh, all of the basic rules that you need as a as a game master to run the game. Mm-hmm. We recently came out with our threats database, which is you know your your monster manual, in a sense. Uh, it does have a bunch of. Uh, bunch of alien species and monsters from a whole bunch of different genres uh you know robots and there are tables to create random uh sci-fi beasts but we that that whole concept of dialing the story up to 11 took hold in there so i also put in a chapter of all of these super organizational threats to the galaxy these like you know massive uh uh, conspiracies and shadow organizations and how they're involved, so to give the game master ideas for campaign storylines that I might be using some of uh as well uh, right now we're working on the master technicians guide, which is uh you would say it's a dm's guide, but it's not really uh it it is uh it's more of a uh genre expansion and a you know a gear books starships mm-hmm. uh yeah they're different different types of uh, i don't, I don't want to give some some things away <laughs> oh, <sure. laughs> but it, it, it expands uh, but, the it expands yeah,
1: yeah. the it expands not just the, the universe game. but the rules as well
0: but the rules as well yes yes okay, exactly cool. right uh those those are those are the core books we have out we uh, we have a a set of adventures we have i think three introductory mods out right now and we have our uh, we have eight Uh, Crucible core adventures. Crucible core is our organized play campaign. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, We have eight of those out so far. We have a ninth one uh, coming probably within the next few weeks.
1: Sweet. Okay. So before we move on to our main topic, is there anything else, you know, in terms of just you, your experiences that you want to, to talk about uh, that our listeners might be interested in hearing?
0: Um. that they might be interested. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I just don't
1: want to forget anything that you might've done that, that, you know, speaks to your experiences.
0: Uh, well, we, we have a, a bunch of, uh, we have a bunch of things that are planned. You know what it is? It's just like, you have all this stuff planned for the future and you can't say anything about it. Oh, so it's sure. like, I'm going to do all this, all this stuff. I'm like, no, I can't really say anything about that either.
1: Uh,
0: right. I, I, do I can say that I have, um, very much enjoyed uh, balancing the, the whole Esper Genesis project and being a guild adept at the same time? It is a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and you know, that that's been uh, you know, so, something that I never thought I would be doing,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm in the same boat you are, right? Three years ago, I wouldn't have. Said, well, I'm going to, you know, quit my full-time job or ha- have it sold out from beneath me in my case, but, um, and then to do this full-time. But that's where we are, uh, yeah. In in the RPG D D world, the the other thing I this is what I forgot to write down that I wanted to talk about. You and I, I believe, are the only two who have written the opening adventures for the uh adventures league seasons that were the short one hour type adventure that is correct
0: that is actually no actually actually there is one other person I uh, believe well, season oh.
1: six season six i don't think they had one of those oh they they didn't was so, one uh who? yeah because one through five was was you or what was me mm-hmm. and then six i think they skipped seven was you eight was will Doyle. That's, it that's was, was it okay yeah, i, I it couldn't
0: i couldn't remember all I right so. So. so so but but you know yes this <laughs> as far as the majority the majority of them were, were were uh were definitely were you and uh yeah i and, and i kind of uh i kind of stepped in and it was yeah. kind of it was kind of a funny experience uh actually because uh i i remember seeing uh, what was it, season seven? When I, I did the first one, and just watching the Facebook posts, it was kind of hilarious because they were like basically saying your name, and then like somebody just kind of chimes up and is like, "Um, did anybody look at the first page? Who's Rich Lusca Flair?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I was typecast there for a while, for a while. so Yeah,
0: you were uh, the you were the people just assumed. You're the intro adventure guy, which which was great. Actually, it was kind of uh, it kind of made me feel good because everybody kind of looked at my stuff and assumed it was your stuff. So I'm like, well, it couldn't have been bad at all because
1: (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Well, I always got yo. These are much better than the first five. So (laughs) so there was that. But writing those adventures is very much a different experience than any other kind of adventure writing. Yes, um, because of all the parameters that are placed on them, not just in the form of you needs to be playable in an hour, but everything that the Adventures League uh, needs from them to introduce the season. Yep. So it's 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 a great. I I I, I uh, compare it to like writing really short short stories, flat not quite flash fiction maybe, but very short short stories that you really need to mechanically and thematically lock down um, to get the most out of them for the time that they're going to be played.
0: Yes. Well, because yeah, because you're, you're introducing not only the storyline that's going to carry out through everything else that comes after it. You're also in a way uh, describing the setting and the feel of, of everything in that Mm -hmm. first adventure to whoever's playing it uh while like you said keeping keeping these adventures under an hour it's it's like they basically give you uh, a list of things that you could write an entire hardcover on they're like yeah here you go fit this into a (laughs) four-hour adventure with one hour increment and one hour increments
1: yeah it's it's a challenge and I feel like I feel like I know everything there is to know about it, and then I sat down to do it again for some reason, and none of the previous rules apply. It seems like I'm I'm constantly going, oh, yeah, I should have done that the first you know, six, twenty times that I wrote these one-hour <laughs> adventures. I should have uh, should have done that. So well, I that's feel better now that
0: I'm not the only one doing that.
1: <laughs> well. With that behind us, I wanted to go on to our main topic today, which is using 5e for other kinds of games. So when Wizards of the Coast released the open gaming license and the uh, SRD, they gave creators the green light to create new products using that 5e rule set. Um, So you have done work, uh, extensive work, not just in creating D&D products, but you did create Esper Genesis, the 5e compatible system for playing science fiction. So I wanted to get Rich, I wanted to get your expertise on that process. So can you share some of the lessons that you've learned from creating a project as large as Espergenesis within that 5e framework? Uh yes. I'll
0: I'll start with uh my my first I I didn't actually learn this as a lesson. I I kinda tackled it head on is know what you're making. Like don't don't just kinda you know, start from wherever, and uh, the, it would, when you're when you're using the SRD, the SRD gives you a lot of information. Uh, however, the one thing that you have to understand about about fifth edition is it's a it's the reason why it's so simplified and it flows so easily and it's so easy to play is every single aspect of the game affects another aspect of the game. Okay, so cool. you need to go through every single section of the information that you have. And uh, whatever you're applying to it, you have to say to yourself, okay, how is this going to affect this other thing down the road? Mm-hmm. And that will, um, you know, uh, pe- people, people like to, to do this, this deconstruct thing. That, that was probably one of the, the most difficult thing, typical times I had doing Esper Genesis was to make it its own game without taking it out of the concept that is that is 5e so mm-hmm. so that you can take anything else from 5e from the player's handbook or whatever and fit it into esper genesis it's it's completely you know slot incompatible but it's still not exactly the same game and that's because you know i i i didn't do where like you take a you take a rule you break it down and you build your own thing and now that doesn't translate to the original 5e game. That's gotcha. that was uh I'm kind of glad we went that route because it keeps the game balanced mm-hmm. and you are able to recognize things from from the get go. Even you know even the starship rules that we came up with. Uh it's its own rule system, but it's Based off of uh, off of like you know the consensus that this is how fifth edition combat runs, this is how you know uh, combat's going to run on a ship. So that way, again, <laughs> another another unintended consequence of doing it that way was we were able to do things like hey, let's run a ship combat and ground combat at the same time.
1: Oh wow. In the okay. same
0: initiative and it works.
1: <laughs> nice. So so ship combat like in some games, there's there's the rule system, like you say, for combat, hand to hand, that sort of thing. Then there's a completely different, completely nothing like the other system system for for space combat. So you're saying you can kind of run a space combat. Uh, combat in Esper Genesis using the same sort of roll a d twenty, add a modifier, compare it to a number of that sort of thing.
0: Uh, yes, uh, two two. Ex- okay, so so the way the way ship combat works is ship combat works uh, in rounds the same way that ground combat works. Okay, uh, on the ship, however, uh, the ship is almost like a character in itself. The crew okay. is the mod, it, you know, provides the modifiers for the ship and the ship's actions. So what happens on a, on a, uh, on a turn in initiative is the entire crew will say, okay, what maneuvers are you doing? Because their maneuvers affect each other. So the crew acts uh, with, with their maneuvers in sequence on that turn. Okay. And then after that turns over, you know, you, you go to the next turn, just like any other combat. So, mm-hmm. so that way, while you have, you have ships each taking their turns, in the initiative order, you can have a ground combat taking place on you know just just on different turns in the same initiative. So let's say a ship gets a ship gets boarded and you know someone has to go in and, and leave their station, that mm-hmm. that combat happens on that character's initiative, but the ship still has its own initiative with the rest of the crew acting. Gotcha.
1: Okay. So that I, I love that. So somebody at the helm who is doing their thing to power the ship or make the ship's actions in a round go? They have to step away from that role almost if they are going to involve themselves in hand-to-hand combat from a boarding crew. Correct. Boarding party. Okay. Cool. Uh, but then
0: the rest, but the rest of the crew that are still there in their stations, they can still perform
1: their maneuvers on on the ship's turn. Gotcha. All right. And is the ship um, manageable? When you created the rules for that, did you envision? Okay, we're gonna have a party, usually of you know four to six players, so that's how many roles that will be on the ship to maneuver it and have it engage in ship to ship combat.
0: Uh, when I did the initial, uh, when I did the initial concept for it, yeah, I, I did it for a crew of four to five. Uh, you know, I, I made sure that uh, that the way that the ship combat works that everyone has something to do Mm -hmm. and if you have you know like like a couple of extra characters there are optional roles that you could put in so that you know so that everybody has something to do Mm -hmm. and i also wanted i wanted it to work for in the fact that because the ship itself is working in one turn and everybody has maneuvers it's different in ground combat in the sense that every everyone has to discuss and sort of and sort of agree you know kind kind of like the uh kind of like the way a a starship works right you know the okay. <laughs> uh, the crew each have their 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 tasks right they all affect each other, but they're working together as a team. I think it actually creates a lot of camaraderie because you, yeah. you have to you know you know what the other person's capable of and uh but at the same time there's also the hey, what about you know the x wing guys right <laughs>
1: Right, I mean, yeah. Because so so in my mind, I'm going back and forth from Star Trek to Star Wars. Right, the Star Trek is we need someone at weapons and someone at con and someone uh, the captain and uh, shields. Uh, But then you go, did you jump to Star Wars and it's you've got the X-wing and the Tie Fighter and it's just one person. It's just one person. Yeah, maybe a droid, uh, you know, running things. Yeah, there's it's it's the pilot who's doing everything.
0: There are two different. uh, Yeah, there's there's multi crew. And then, yeah, that there is a single person uh, ship combat where the uh, just the one person actually fills a role and a sub role, okay. you know, at the at the same time. Gotcha.
1: So, so for a larger ship uh, where there are different roles, uh, are those based on like skill checks or ability checks? Uh, well, there's the roles do two different things.
0: Uh, So the so there are three primary roles. There's um, there's a a a helm or a pilot. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's there's a technician, and then there are uh, gunners. Okay. Uh, And then uh, you have the way that the whoever is in those roles. There's like you know uh, sometimes if there's a lot of there's there's a big crew. There are primary and secondary versions of those roles, and those characters affect the ship's stats, so the ship has like a base stat block okay, and whoever's in the pilot's you know chair like you know their their decks for whatever their decks for example, increases the ship's maneuverability because obviously they're more dexterous they're they're a better pilot uh you know the technician uh if if they have a higher intelligence or a higher wisdom then like you know they they affect the ship's uh shields, which also affects their hull points and their structural integrity that that that's the premise of building the stat block. And then each of those roles have maneuvers that they can perform. The pilot can perform attack run maneuvers. The technician can do things like repair the ship or use sensors and well, the gunners. So they,
1: they shoot them up <laughs> and destroy things. Sure. Okay. And uh, so when you envision an adventure set in, in this realm is, do you try to strike that balance between, you know, in, in normal D and D you're, you're, trying to strike a balance between exploration combat and role playing Um, do you try to strike that balance in esper genesis but you just you have two types of combat you have ship combat and sort of hand to hand personal combat
0: yes Uh, a lot a lot of our adventures ship combat uh, because it's it's a it's a fairly new system Uh, we what we try and do is we don't have it in every single adventure, necessarily. Okay. Uh, so there, so there. I mean, actions, actions on the ground, and 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 ca- you know, characters and individuality, and and kind of like you know the way the way that the characters interact with the world is still the primary uh, way of, of playing Asprogenesis the same as as uh, the same as it is in D and D. But you know, adding ship combat in is just kind of like adding a uh, uh, an extra. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not really sure how to term it. Actually, <laughs> just, uh, just it's it's just it's just something that that can be put in. It's not absolutely necessary, but it's, it's the
1: frosting fun. on the cupcake.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, awesome. So, uh, any other lessons um, creating a five E non fantasy game that has come up?
0: Uh, yes. Uh, aside from the rules uh, and compatibility uh there is the 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 size of it all. Uh it takes a lot of it takes a lot of work when you're putting together like a, a full-sized rule book. Mm. For that you need now now we're now we're going into things you and I have talked about a, a lot of time. You need you need a person to do layout Mm-hmm. You need a person to do editing because no matter how many no matter how much you use out of the s r d especially if you're making a non fantasy game you're going mm. to need editing you're going to need a yeah. lot of editing uh because there's there's a lot of terminology that has to change there's a lot of there are a lot of different concepts that have to change mm-hmm. uh you kind of want to go through it step by step, and make sure that all of your your terminology being another thing, you want to make sure that all of your terminology is not only accurate, but it's consistent. Right. You don't want to call something one thing and then call it another thing right. down the road. It's it's it'll just confuse everyone. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah. Uh. And so you know, for 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 all of these things, you are going to need. Uh. If you can't do it all yourself, which most people can't. I know I can't. Uh. You, you do need at least to to understand the costs of doing this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why a lot of people use kickstarter uh nowadays it's right. it's a, it's a lot of money to produce a a book uh especially when you're commissioning art art costs a lot of money <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. at least as much as the writing in, at least in as much as the writing exactly
0: yeah. uh and and then you got to figure out what you want your world to look like right you're you're mm-hmm. you're still writing a setting uh even though you're using uh, you know, sort of a, a, a skeleton of a rule system that's given to you. You're still you're still putting together something. You need to know what everything is going to look like, mm-hmm. and that also needs to be consistent. It can't be all over the place.
1: Right. So you sort of need an art director uh, to vi- help visualize for your artists what everything should look like. Yep. Because
0: I mean, even though the game is is based on imagination, the books still send you that message, that feel of what the world is is supposed to. To, to be like. You're imagining of it. That's how you extend it to other people.
1: Mm-hmm. Were there any hurdles that were particularly tough to get over because you had to use or because you had cho- chosen to use 5e as the basis for the game?
0: Uh, yes, quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> I love D&D. Uh, so that, I mean, that's why 5e was, was the way to go for me. Mm-hmm. But Five E is the 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 SRD, the rules in the SRD, they're built for a fantasy game. Fantasy mm-hmm. and sci fi are are way on on you know, they're they're very similar, but conceptually they're way on the other side of the spectrum. So right. you know things like magic and and you know which is which is just infectious in D anD D. You kind of mm-hmm. have to find a way of uh, to weed it out in a sense okay especially if it's if it's not in your setting at all and also make things if you're making if you're making something like a like a sci-fi game or a modern game or a horror game uh, something along those lines you want it to feel like that kind of game Mm -hmm. you don't want it to feel like you know oh it's you know it's 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 D and D, but everyone's wearing like trench coats. No, that's that's not <laughs> that's not what we're really looking for exactly. So that that was the hard part was uh was putting that together and taking the magic system and creating that, make making that into something sci fi or sci fantasy that, that probably took the longest amount of time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because I mean baked right into that five E system is is the magic system, right? uh and it, with the modified vancian spell slots that disappear as you use them right. sort of thing doesn't necessarily fit uh yeah you know, like you said a, a cloak and dagger game or a horror game um so being able to either extricate that uh very precisely using a very sharp scalpel without, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> with, without hurting the rest of the game or finding a way to massage that in a way that makes sense within that world that you're building, I think is gotta be tough, but super important. Yes. It's extremely important.
0: Even, even harder than doing that is making sure that you can do that and leave room for that magic system to come back in. Mm -hmm. If you know, if you want to use it.
1: Right. So, uh, When you were coming up with, you know, races, classes, that sort of thing, did you find that easy to translate into the science fiction world?
0: Yeah. Uh, When I was doing classes, classes, maybe not so much. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, races, you know, I, I already had like a whole a whole concept of things they had. A whole mind.
1: galaxy yeah, full. I
0: was, I was just like, I have this one and that one, and, and I, I did a lot of, like I said, I did a lot of writing when I was a kid, so I had a lot of ideas to pull from. Nice. And uh, I, I was also an avid video gamer, and so, like, you know, everything, everything sci-fi, everything uh, Star Wars and uh mass effect fantasy star like all my favorite stuff blade runner i'm like yeah this idea that idea and that idea that i had put together when i was a teenager i'm going to put this together into a species and a storyline so you know that that wasn't hard at all uh the the classes uh i had stuck to a lot of the srd mechanics because changing those could be catastrophic (laughs) in uh in a sense but uh at the same time I, I still had to to do that uh that thing where you conceptualize the game and you say, okay, how do I take this class's mechanics and apply it to something in my game? It doesn't mm. necessarily have to translate directly, but it needs to translate into something. And that that's kind of where the you know the balancing act yeah. had gone in. Uh and uh pretty much just just, just figuring out how they interact with each other cuz that's also important the the way that the way the character classes uh uh handle each other in a group right and how they balance out a party
1: yeah so nobody's stepping on anyone's toes with their abilities right yeah cool what well, uh any other tips tricks comments pitfalls um before we sign off for anyone out there who might be trying to create their own 5e compatible game that's not necessarily D &D. uh i would say
0: that uh going back to to what i said before uh concept is important uh it, it it's supposed to be the thing that affects every other decision that you make when you're using the uh when you're using the 5e rules but at the same time 5e is a beautiful system uh I, I I have to I have to say that it is probably close to my favorite of of, of all versions of D D mm. because of you know it, it takes everything good from all the prior versions and puts it together into something nice that flows easily. It's an easy system to use. Uh, if you look at everything and 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 uh at its at its components uh it's very easy to manipulate Without having to change a lot, like it, it, it's uh it, it, it's almost like it was built to to be a lot of other things than than d and d so uh, that's that's my if if you're looking to make a five e game that's not d and d and even not necessarily fantasy, you still look at the core of of everything and just use it. Don't feel like you have to change you know this mechanic or this rule or have to like, you know, build everything from the ground up. Otherwise you might as well just build your own
1: system. True. True. And, and 5e went through such an extensive play testing process, not just the mechanics of it, but sort of the marketing side of things, right? What do you like? Yeah. What, it's not, does this work? It's, does this work? And do you like it? And when you get that sort of input and feedback, you do end up with a system that speaks to the most number of players possible, which I think helps, you know, make it a system that can be used for other things.
0: Yes. And if you, and if you make it so that it not only can be used for what you built it for, but it can be used for uh, other things. One of the decisions we made to to make it compatible with D &D and D and all the other 5e stuff is that there is already millions of people out there that like what's already out. Mm -hmm. so you know you're introducing something brand new it doesn't need to have a steep learning curve and it already contains the things that you already know everyone likes and plays so you just just keep it that way they can bring in whatever they want out of the thing they like already into your game
1: true i like that it's a it's a great point to close on so rich thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experiences with us uh, thank you a lot of fun as always it's always right. a pleasure speaking with you sir and I want to thank those people who we're talking to I want to thank our patrons um, I want to thank a few of them by name so Adrian Herman Andrew Demps Brantley Harris Brett just Brett Chris Steele Curtis Y Takahashi Danielle Thomas J David Chrisman JT Evans and Jen Pixelscapes Agni thank you so much for being patron of the show um, and if you want to support the show, there are many ways you could help out. For just a single dollar a month, you can help us pay our hosting costs, editing costs, and so on. If you do give us that $1 a month, you get access to special content from not just Down With d but also Misdirected Mark and Pandas Talking Games. Uh, for Down With d I've been doing a sneak attack segment every week where I look at certain rules and just take 10 or 15 minutes to discuss them, um, so you could hear that for if you would be a patron of the show but if you can't help us uh, by giving us uh, even a dollar a month that's okay we understand just say that you like the show on your social media account and give us a link that would help us monetarily or that helps us momentum wise by bringing in new listeners and we appreciate that so your social media shout outs are wonderful rich speaking of social media where can people find you and your work uh, well i can be
0: personally found on twitter i am at skydon one uh, my uh, my work uh, general is it could be found on, on the dms Guilded up strip on the uh, at the dms guild and if you want to learn about Esper Genesis, just go to espergenesis.com we give you all the information there you can learn about uh, the game me alligator Alley entertainment and uh, anything else you want to know
1: Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin, or you can go to the forums at forums.misdirectedmark.com. Down with DND is a Misdirected Mark production. The media arm of encoded designs. So, hey, Rich, uh, what are we going to do now? Well, I say we hop into a wormhole and see what happens. That sounds like fun. Get
0: down with d Yeah, you know me. Get down with d Yeah, you know me. Get down with d Yeah, you know me. Get down with d <laughs> Down with D&D. You You down with D&D. I'm down with D&D. We're down with D&D.